0: we
1: Welcome to the inaugural episode of Shark Bites, the Throwdown Thursday production. I am your host, Patsy the Angry Nerd, and uh, this show is my first solo effort, and is uh, a, it's a way to provide some additional content that you won't find anywhere else. Uh, I'll be bringing my own unique personality to uh, movie and book and show and video game reviews, and I'll be ranking them on a system, just two parts, sink or swim, based on whether or not I think... Uh, these things are uh, are interesting, and I think you should check them out. Um, I'll also be doing some interviews with filmmakers, directors, actors, writers, uh, all kinds of different folks who are uh, looking to promote their work. They could be, you know, big names. They could be small names. Because everybody's got a voice. Everybody's got something that they're trying to uh, to do. And if they're out, people are out there creating things. Uh, I want to help get their voices heard. We're also going to be focusing on things like my my thoughts on pulp pop culture, what did I think of the most recent movie? Because on stuff like uh, you know, on, on Throwdown Thursday, we'll cover a character and we'll cover their backstory and we'll cover their history, you know, powers, things like that. Like recently we just covered Rambo a couple of weeks ago and we got all of the history and we coincided it just for when the new movie came out. However, we don't have any thoughts on the new movie because we can't cover that on the show because we've got new and exciting things to, you know, move on to. So this'll kind of bridge that gap. You know, give you an idea, maybe a little bit of insight into what we think of uh, some of the topics that we cover. Do the new movies stack up with the older movies? So that's just one aspect of it. And there's obviously going to be, you know, Simpsons references, puns, impressions, both good and bad. And of course, I'm going to end every show with a shark fact. Uh, This week, being the inaugural episode, the first ever uh, attempt at this, I got the opportunity to interview writer, and director Paul Salomoff, who has a new film coming out uh, in the next couple of days called Encounter. It's a, a really cool sci-fi film that subverts your expectations in a good way, and you'll hear more about that later on in the show. And uh, I actually got a chance to chat with him for over two hours and uh, was able to put together a, a really cool episode and uh, get some some really interesting insight on the, the filmmaking process and the creation of bringing his vision to life like all the different steps and this is a really cool movie i got a chance to see it early he uh, was able to get me a screener so obviously i would have uh, the ability to speak about this with some intelligence I'm, I'm still getting the hang of being the only one person on here i think i've recorded this and deleted this intro um 25 times at least something that's weird for me i actually had to write down some talking points as opposed to just sort of winging it on the introduction which i usually do so it's a little weird for me obviously as we as i move along you know it'll it'll become much more polished and it'll sound a lot better especially where i'll have uh you know more episodes under my belt and you know i, I don't know how guys like Al goro do it you know he's got like 400 million episodes and you know it's just him pretty much on 99 percent of them i envy his ability to do this solo with that being said, I'm going to take a quick break, and uh, when I come back, I'm going to get into the interview with Paul, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. And uh, we've got some interesting stuff for you coming up next week as well, so uh, stick around at the end of the show. I'll take a quick break at the end of the interview, and then uh, you'll get to hear uh, about what's going on next week. I think I don't think you'll be surprised, but I do think you will be intrigued. All right, we'll be right back everyone thinks because you're a zombie you
0: don't know good coffee
1: well they're wrong we have very active lifestyles it's not all wandering the countryside aimlessly or scaring passing motorists
0: we all love a good cup of joe
1: and there's only one brew that gets my seal of approval deadly grounds coffee is
0: my guilty pleasure Bold, robust, delicious. It's coffee that can wake the dead. <laughs> With over a dozen different roasts and flavors, Deadly Grounds can satisfy the most finicky of coffee addicts. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds Coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Deadly. Hey, what's going on? I'm Steven. and I'm Ron, and we're the hosts of the Super Retro Throwback Reviews Audio Podcast. If you like to hear the latest pop culture news with some smartass commentary, as well as the latest movie reviews, then check us out. Also, we're a multi award nominated podcast, so we're doing something right. God knows how that happened. So check us out on all major podcasts and distributors, and check out Super Retro Throwback Reviews on all social media platforms. you're going to need a bigger boat.
1: And I'm here with Paul Salamoff, the writer-director of Encounter, man who's worked on numerous other films in a variety of capacities. And you know what, Paul? Let's just get right into this. What is your favorite Twilight
0: Zone episode? Oh, that's great. All um, right, what is my favorite Twilight Zone episode? Ah! Uh, Okay. First of all, I've been obsessed with the Twilight Zone since I was a little kid. So, you know, I've, I've seen all of, actually, you know what? I thought I had seen all of them until I got the Blu-rays and I watched the, you know, all the Blu-rays. And I'm like, how is it that I didn't see some of these? Like there was a good, like five episodes that I had never seen before, which was shocking to me because I've seen like, you know, pretty much every Twilight Zone, at least like, or 12 times right. um you know i really like um eye of the beholder a lot oh, so I, I, I i yeah I, I really like that one you know what i mean just because it, it's you know the twist is really great with it and um just you know the the, the story you, you know the story of it and and it, 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 i just i, I just really like that one a lot um i You know, and it's funny, I actually have a Twilight Zone reference in in Encounter, which is um, one of the characters has to write down, uh, when when he goes to see Westlake, Brent writes down his address, and he writes down, you know, so-and-so Maple Street. And that's a reference to the monsters are due on Maple Street. Yes, which if yeah, if you know, is about like paranoia around an alien invasion and stuff like that, and not trusting people and stuff. So that was my little like in joke sort of reference to because I'm a big fan of that episode as well. You know, but there's God, there's so many of them. Time enough at last is so oh, yeah, good. Just you know, Meredith that, is
1: amazing. Yeah, that.
0: It's, yeah. It's I mean, I. I, I could talk about twilight zone forever it it was just really something that i was just so obsessed with as a child that i I used to just watch it all all the time and it it just you know i i um i write comic books as well and one of the comic books series that i worked on was um uh, vincent price presents which was basically like writing twilight zones so it was really um very exciting to do that
1: yeah and a lot of folks don't realize like the type of writing that goes into like who worked on some of these original episodes like Ray Rodberry oh, yeah. and Richard Matheson. Oh, it's like,
0: Oh yeah. Oh, well, it was great. So, you know, one of the other comic books I wrote was uh, Logan's run. So because of that, I did that with William F Nolan, um, who was, you know, one of the Twilight zone writers. And, um, he really, like I got to go out to a dinner, which was really awesome. It was William F Nolan, um, George Clayton Johnson, Earl Hamner, you know, Aaron Hamner, you know, was uh, was um, the Waltons, but he also wrote, you know, on Twilight Zone, and Mark Secree, who wrote, you know, the definitive book on the Twilight Zone. And that is just one of, you know, just, that. that's a memory I'll never forget. You know what I mean? Like, that that dinner was just, you know, being around that Twilight Zone royalty and just getting to, you know, just listen to these stories and, and, and just... God, just amazing, and, and I would go to Ray Bradbury's birthday party at the Mystery and Imagination Bookstore in um, uh, in Glen- well, was in Glendale, um, California. That you know, it's now online. As a matter of fact, I thank them at the end of at the end of Encounter and my special thanks. And I used to go to like George Clayton Johnson's birthday, William. Jeff Nolan's birthday and Ray Bradbury's birthday, and and one of my favorite things. I have a picture of Ray Bradbury holding uh, the first issue of Logan's Run, and he gave us a quote for the uh, graphic novel version of it, which is like, you know, wow.
1: Yeah, that's wow, pretty right? freaking amazing.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm a huge fan of <laughs> of just you know the the you know, science fiction literature like that. And, uh, you know, Ray Bradbury is, it just doesn't get much better than that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you on that. Uh, Slightly off topic, but, you know, it's still Twilight Zone-ish related. I remember the first time uh, my dad had us sit down and watch uh, Planet of the Apes. Yeah. And, you know, you see the, the whole twist ending. And I didn't know about the twist ending for years and years because I finally read the book.
0: Yeah, I've read the book as well. I have a I have the book. He wrote, you know what? Do you know what? P, it's Pierre Boulle, right? Is that how you pronounce his name? Do you know what he also wrote? Bridge on the River Kwai. That's right, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Like it's 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 in my like top well now it's in my top twenty. It used to be in my top ten, but unfortunately there's been a couple of uh, Marvel movies <laughs> yeah, <love laughs> that have snuck out. in there and Kind of pushed it out. <laughs> I just actually watched Endgame for the fourth time yesterday. I know I'm probably slagging behind some people, but I, I just watched it again for the fourth time. I, my in my um, office is also a, a movie theater, wow. um, so I have like you know like 120 inch screen. I've got like 7.1 surround, and I've got like a real popcorn machine. And I just yesterday, I just you know turned tuned out the world and rewatched End uh, Endgame, And boy, that just doesn't lose anything. It, it, that, that movie is so amazing. Amazing.
1: i was like that with infinity war i watched it over and over oh and yeah
0: over and over you know I, I gotta be honest i think infinity war is just slightly edges out Endgame, but I, I i like to think of them as one movie yeah you know but in infinity war just slightly edges it out for me but it's like you know a plus plus you know next to a plus you know yeah, what i mean it, it's not a like, plus and a half yeah, you know? it's not like you're losing much it's yeah like, yeah, and it, it was it was remarkable how palpable it was the emotional impact of watching Endgame, even for the fourth time. That it still it still got me like it it was like all those emotional beats are so well done. They're so well done, and it just it just even on fourth viewing, it doesn't lose any of it.
1: Yeah, I I agree. Like again, rewatching. Um Rewatching Infinity War right before Endgame came out, yeah, um, like it didn't it didn't lose anything. We did, you know, we did a, a big episode on on Infinity War right before it came out. You know, talking about Infinity Gauntlet and stuff. We actually called yeah. it uh, Thanos: The Hands of Fate. So <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I get that reference. <laughs> well, I figured you would. Oh yeah, yeah. So we ended up uh, doing, like, this whole, like, three and a half hours. We had, like, 12 people between Skype and in the studio. And oh, it was awesome. Just, it was epic. But, yeah, I'm right with you. Like, the emotional impact, especially after 10 years of buildup. I
0: know. It's remarkable. I mean, I'm a real Marvel guy. I mean, like, it's just, it's an, a remarkable achievement in filmmaking, what they have done. Yeah, what they have done—it's—it's—it's it's in, it's incredible, and it's everything. I mean, like even their quote-unquote worst movies are still like a B plus or A minus.
1: Yeah, because I mean, you're, that, you're comparing them yeah. to these like super high end, you know, these amazing films. It's like, yeah. you know, it's like oh that one wasn't that good. It's like because you're used to like being so amazing, and it's yeah. like, even if it's off slightly, you know, you really feel that 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 gap
0: but by the way i know we got off on the uh, off the tangent of uh, Planet of the apes and rod serling rod serling writing that but i just binged i just binged all uh four uh rambo movies to get ready for rambo last blood which i saw on saturday so it was like just re you know visiting all those films which all of those i've seen you know more times than they can possibly you know but you know first blood it's such It's such a masterpiece. It really is as an action film, and I've read that book. You know, I'm a you know uh, a fan of yeah David Raul, and I have this really beautiful like hardcover edition that I was given as a gift. Um, uh, Actually, I was given it as a gift from the lawyer of Delane, who does the closing song at the end of my movie. (laughs) She gave (laughs) it for my birthday. uh, First Blood. The you know, and in the book, you know, obviously is a little different than the movie, but. That movie, that original first Blood, really is a masterpiece it's a really under underrated I mean not underrated but underrated film you know because most people just think of Rambo First Blood part two. you know what I mean yeah. when they think of the Rambo films, but God, I mean think about it. can you imagine a movie coming out today that ends with our main character you know sobbing and crying and giving himself up? Could you imagine that coming? I mean, because I think, you know, because it came out in 82, it came, it was still, you know, it was, it was still like a 70s movie in a lot of respect. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, God, it's so... It really holds up. I mean, that movie holds up so well. I think it gets better and better, to be honest with you. And I've probably seen it a good... <laughs> I can't even tell you how many times I've probably yeah. seen first 20, 30, 40 times. Yeah. yeah, probably. I mean, and that's not, that's true. I mean, like, I, I mean, that's the, the funny thing is like, you know, we're both, you know, mass holes as we were talking. And, you know, I grew up in Natick, Massachusetts, which, you know, um, is one of the biggest sports communities in new England because of Doug Flutie. Yep. And I am just not into sports at all. Like I could care less about sports. So it's funny when people are like, how do you find the time to watch movies? Cause I don't watch sports. <laughs> I watch, I watch movies. Yeah, I mean that's. Freaking... I mean, yeah, I mean that's the thing is I watch movies and and uh, you know I, I joke that I'm the reason why Movie Pass failed because I just uh, I just like oh you mean I can see a movie free for every day for nine ninety nine a month? Okay, I'll put that <laughs> to the challenge. <laughs> I think I saw I saw like eighty eight movies in seven months <laughs> before that crashed and burned and I'm like, All right, I'll get the AMC A list now. <laughs> yep, we did that. <laughs> that <out> <laughs>
1: we we like to do the uh the double feature. We were actually planning on going to see uh Rambo last week, because that was last week's show. Um, mm-hmm. Ashes hadn't seen any of them. So I'm like, mm. think about your preconceived notions. We're gonna watch First Blood and she was like I owe Rambo an apology. Like she was yeah. on the show. She goes, I owe yeah. Stallone an apology. Yeah. And it's funny. Cause we talked about how it went from, you could maybe give, give him, you know, credit for killing art Galt, even though that was Galt's mm-hmm. fault. one yeah, hundred Yeah. Yeah. And then he goes in the second movie when he's sitting there and, and uh, Murdoch is reading off his, his resume for lack of a better <laughs> word. And he's yeah. like, Oh, 59 confirmed kills. Yeah. And then over the next two days, he kills 74 people. (laughs) And then the next movie is 111. And then the next movie is 254. He has
0: 505 friggin' kills. And he has 59 in all of Vietnam. Rambo, Rambo three, which is my least favorite of the films. Um, you know, I still enjoy watching it, but the funny thing is, as that movie ends and you know the, he's like sort of like saying goodbye to that boy, I'm just thinking, and that boy was Osama bin Laden. <laughs> right? yeah, it's like, he, yeah, that's uh, isn't he fighting for the people? Who, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah what, What's then, uh, funny
1: is that movie came out ten days after. Russia withdrew from Afghanistan. So oh, I don't remember that. The whole like impact of what was being said in the movie kind of lost all of its its emotional uh, uh, weight behind it because it's yeah like, oh well it's all okay. it's okay now
0: and it's like shit so funny <laughs> all right I'll stop I'll I'll stop yapping so let oh, no, you get to question two. <laughs> right,
1: so, yeah, let's get on to question two. <laughs> Uh, What is a talent you have that people may not necessarily know about?
0: Uh, I'm a really great cook. I I love to cook. Like if I didn't get into the the film business, I probably would have become a chef. Cool. Like what's,
1: what's, what's a a, a meal name? One thing that you would just like throw together and people would be like, holy shit, this is the best.
0: Like Uh, chicken Kiev, probably like, probably like a chicken Kiev or um, I make a really good mustard salmon. And my Brussels sprouts were like, those are really good. Cooking that in bacon grease, Ooh. bacon fat, uh, so good. <laughs> I just like, because to me, it's all about the presentation, too. So it, it's funny. I, I I don't, you know, like, I really like cooking for other people, and I and I like to impress. You know, I mean, nothing pretentious about it. It's just that I really enjoyed it. To me, cooking is an art form, and it's, um, you know, I'm not much of a baker. Because to me, baking is more science and cooking is more, you know, art. You know what I mean? And yes, you can, you know, I'm sure a lot of people that probably upset them and they're saying, what are you talking about? It's just, to me, it's like, you know, And I've been teaching my kids how to cook and my daughter's actually becoming a really good cook already. It's like, but it's more about teaching them technique and flavor profiles. Because like once you understand that, then you can pretty much cook anything. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm not really a recipe guy. It's, it's really, you know, I'm very good about like, let's see what we have in the, you know, in the refrigerator and just, you know, pulling something out of my ass and making it pretty special. I mean, I, I really, you know, I love it. I actually really enjoy cooking. I find it very relaxing and I'm really good about like making multiple dishes and having them all done at the same time.
1: Yeah. My, my wife is the, uh, the, uh, you gotta say the cooker. Because she makes yeah. and she cooks, but yeah, she's the one who uh, who does all that stuff.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, even even when I was married, I still I I, I did most of the cooking. I, I did like at least ninety to ninety five percent of the cooking just because I enjoyed it.
1: See, I don't mind, but like, there's very few things that I'm particularly good at. But if it's like, okay, we're having this, and she's like, okay, you're making that. But if it's like sort of <laughs> baking good. Yeah. Yeah, that's all her. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's see. Um, okay, question three. What is a vacation spot that you've never been to, but you'd really like to go?
0: Oh, that's a good question. I actually know the answer to that. Though, with that said, here's a funny thing. Like, for me, when I think of vacation, see, this is, here you go, here's here's some wacky philosophy for you. Um, (laughs) I have done a lot of traveling in my life. Okay. But I find like a vacation for me is watching a movie because I'm not in my head. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a very like idea guy and I'm very creative. Like my, my brain is always working. So a vacation for me is watching a movie because I'm not in my head and I'm I'm sort of like experiencing something else, but I do travel a lot. Right. And I've been, you know, to London a lot and I've been all over the United States a lot. And, um, but I would like to go at some point to Japan and I'd like to go to Australia. Those are two places that I've not been to that I would really like to go to.
1: That'd be really cool.
0: Yeah. So that that's, but, but uh, yeah, it's funny. I, I don't, I don't think of vacations as <laughs> relaxing. Is that, I know that's kind of weird, no, no, but it, it
1: makes sense. Um, yeah. Like we just went away. We just came back uh, from our, we go away every year for our anniversary, our anniversary, mm-hmm. September 13th. So this year it was on a Friday and we, uh, we go to the Cape every year. Mm, yeah. And that's where we've been going. This is the 10th year that we've been there.
0: So where where in the Cape, uh, Orleans. Oh, okay. I don't think I know where that is. my, my grandfather used to live in Centerville. Okay. This is,
1: uh, Orleans is about halfway up the arm about, okay. Half an hour from Provincetown. Okay. So you got, you know, Orleans, Wellfleet, East Ham, Brewster, that general area, Chatham.
0: Got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now now you're saying names that I recognize. Like, we were, like, more of a Hyannis, like, stay in Hyannis kind of area.
1: Okay. Well, we have, uh, my my godmother lives in Orleans, so, and my mom went to Nasset High School in Orleans, so I don't even consider oh, uh. myself a tourist. because. Yeah you know that's where my my family is from so uh that's where we go and it was kind of a stressful week because you know we got down we got down there on tuesday but tuesday morning i went because my parents and my two brothers uh my mom won a a radio station contest and won a trip for (laughs) four to florida so i'm like we'll take take you know dan and dave my two brothers because my brother dave just turned 30 on the 15th so Uh they left the next day and i'm like take him because my wife doesn't fly she's not a Mm. Mm. fly but i was like yeah you know so we had to run around in the morning like getting some errands done you know check on the cats at the at everybody's house you know then come home (laughs) you know get our stuff load up the car go then we had to come back, check on the cats on the way home. You know, so it was <laughs> you know, like, OK, OK, we have to do this. We have to do this. We have to do this. You know, it's like it wasn't as relaxing as yeah. it could have been.
0: Did you have time to get some good clam strips while you were there?
1: <laughs> we, we go to a place. There's a, there's a restaurant that we've been going to ever since the first time we went down. And we're like, oh, let's try this place. It's called mm-hmm. the Arm, And we will go there. Right when we get down there, and it's the last place we go before we leave. No, oh, I love it. This amazing seafood chowder. Oh yeah! We bought Ugh. two pints of the base so we can make it at home. She's like, "Oh, I'm gonna use it as a sauce for some pasta, and I'm gonna put this in." I'm like, "Whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do, I am totally down for." <laughs> <laughs> oh. Good stuff. So those are some really totally good, good answers. We got, you know, obviously half an hour worth of conversation out of it. So this is, this is good.
0: All um, right. but that was three questions, right? Or was that two? Oh, yeah, that was well, three. Right, Cause I we did agree. the negation. Yeah. yeah, that's right. All right, good.
1: So now we can get into, now that we know a little bit more about you, we can get into <laughs> talking about the film. So you had mentioned a little bit to me, you know, in our, in our back and forth about, where you drew inspiration, you know, in a mm-hmm. general sense. Yeah. So where specifically, like, did you come up with, you know, the inspiration for the film? And I'm, I'm trying to keep from discussing major plot yes. points.
0: Thank you. Uh, y- you know, it, I wanted to, if I was going to be given the opportunity to direct a movie, right? I wanted to make sure it was something special. And and I have, like, my big book of ideas, and, and you know, because, you know, I might only get one shot at this, right? So I wanted to at least try to make something that I hoped, you know, people would stand up and take notice of. Because, look, I'm, I'm well aware there's <laughs> lots of places you can find entertainment these days. So I wanted... To do a story that I hoped would, would haunt people afterwards or make people want to watch the movie again or, or you know, or, or re-experience it um, or would leave them with something. And, and I'm a very thematically-based writer. Um, one of my friends tease me about that, about me and my themes. But I wanted to... I, I, I mean, not to get too personal, but I, I had gone through a painful divorce where sort of the the rug had been pulled out from my life. Right. And, you know, I, I, the idea of exploring the themes of loss and grief, you know, and fear of the unknown, like what, what does the future hold? You know, what I mean, like we're really palpable, you know, and I think, you know, writers, you know, as a writer, you want to. I'm trying to explore you know without being i'm not a pretentious person at all I promise you that um but just explore things about the human condition and sort of explore things you know you know within myself and so the idea of wanting to tell a gentle sci fi story in 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 just really really being inspired by you know, things like Solaris by Stanislaw Lem, and, um, uh, which was also made into a movie, obviously, a Tarkovsky film. And Tarkovsky also did this movie called Stalker, which I really love. But also things like, you know, there's a movie called Another Earth, which I really love, or movies like Moon or Arrival, um, and, you know, just being like really surrounding myself with those type of movies and wanting to tell, see if I could tell a story like that, you know, more of a, you know, uh, in use sort of, because I've, I've been obsessed with science fiction since I was a little kid when I saw, you know, star Wars, um, and having seen so much science fiction over the years, I wanted to sort of try to do something different and try to do something unique and, but using sort of like the tropes and using like the expectations of the audience against them like so i hope like when you saw the movie there were times where you're like oh i know where this is going i know where this is going and it doesn't you know what i mean it does you know maybe the opposite will happen or or it might go in a different a little different direction than you're expecting i mean did you find that when you watched the movie
1: yeah there were there were some times where it's it's like okay you told me what your inspirations were, you told me where, you know, your your thought process was a little bit when you were when you were writing it and directing it. So it's like, okay, oh, this is what's happening. Okay. Yeah, I know. Yep. Mhm. Okay. And the way it starts one of those things that uh I kind of have a pet peeve about in mm-hmm. a lot of films is oh, let's show you The end of the film, it's like, you know, say you have a horror movie and it's like, oh, here's Mm -hmm. the final girl running from, you know, whatever. And it's like, you know, she's all bloody and beat up or, you know, it's like, okay. And then it's like, you know, three days before and it cuts to something else. It's like, why do I care about any of these other characters because I know they're all dead? Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, let's see where this goes. And I was very surprised. Because the opening scene did not play out anywhere near where I thought it was going to go.
0: Yeah, well, it's a linear film. Like, that's, you know, it's funny. It's like some people, like, like you, there's some people who said to me they thought that opening sequence was, they thought the movie was a flashback to that opening sequence.
1: That's what I thought at first.
0: Yeah. But it's not.
1: Somebody, you know, the, uh, oh, I can't remember her name. She makes the, Reference of, you know, we'll need a lot more than a SWAT yeah. team to get us out of this.
0: And exactly.
1: And it's like, okay, so that's not what happened, despite there's a, a similarity at the end. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a different time of day. There's different yep. people. There's a different, you know, setting. So, you know, uh, there's so much lazy storytelling and lazy writing done in. Mm. And there are also incongruities with some of the greatest movies that you could possibly see, like one of the best movies that has a great twist, The Usual Suspects.
0: It's one of my favorite movies of all time. As I went to, I actually went to. Uh, I used to be involved with the Academy of Science Fiction. Well, I still am. The Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films. Uh, you know, they do the Saturn Awards, which, by the way, just was telecast live um, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, I was the uh, so Brian Singer was the president's protege, and I was the vice president or the uh, director of operations protege. So um, I remember when when um, Brian showed us the usual suspects for the first time. It it's completely blew my mind. I, I, I love I still love that movie. I, I love, it's it's one of my favorite movies of all time.
1: It's a phenomenal movie. But some yeah. of the one of the scenes where they show a plane landing, there's two mm. different planes. It's supposed to be the same one, but it's like why does yeah, this yeah. one have four engines? Yeah. Why does this one have two? So there's yeah. like little incongruities with certain even the best films, is what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say. And so yeah. as you're watching this, you know, like I, I you know, kind of touched on a little bit when I Right when I finished watching it, I sent you that message. Yeah. It's like, you know, you go into this. It's like, okay, this is what I'm expecting to see because this is what I've seen a hundred times. And when yeah. it's not that, it's not that yeah. at all. And you're you're pleasantly
0: surprised because it's... You know what? You know what's funny is, like, when people ask me what the movie's about, and I always, like, preface this with saying... It's about stop me if... No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. I go, stop me if you've heard this before. Something crash lands in the field and they bring it back to... You know what I mean? It's like, I'm very well aware that I am using, you know, sci-fi tropes that have been used before. But that was the plan. It was the plan was, all right, we're going to start off with the familiar. And then I'm going to take you somewhere that you are not expecting. You know what I mean? Like that's, that was my whole plan from the beginning to do that. You know what I mean? Like to, to, to really like lull you into a sense of like, you think, you know, where this thing is going, you know what I mean? And, and everything, but you know, I, I like to hope that everything is earned when you get to the ending, that it is earned. It's all there. You know what I mean? And, and I'm actually, you know, if you pay attention, it's all there. You know, but I, I, it's, it's sort of out of context.
1: So well, that's kind of why I brought up the usual suspects thing. Yeah. but in it Because there's, there's, when you finish watching it, you're like, oh shit. Like yeah. this was staring me in the face the whole time.
0: Yeah. I mean, I do tell you that's the funny thing. When I, when I and I really love, and this is not me like, oh, look how clever I am. I, I promise you, I'm not. I'm not saying it like this. It's just that I do tell you multiple times in in encounter what is happening. It's just you're not, it, 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 like right to your face. I kind of tell you, you know what I mean. But and I, I don't want to go into specifics because it won't give it away. No. But it, it's 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 not done to be clever. It's just done because that's proper storytelling. You know what I mean? Because if, if the ending came out of left field, it's not earned. It's, Do you know what I mean? It's, it's like, yeah.
1: It's the old purloined letter trick. You know, the best way to hide is right out in the open.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that, and it's, and it's really, it's tricky, you know, and it's not like, you know, it, it's, it's just, you know, am I giving you enough information? Am I giving you too much information? Am I playing my hand? Am I not playing my hand? And, and it's been really a pleasure that, The people who have seen the movie so far, they really, they really seem to, to love the film and they seem to really get what I was trying to do with it. And no, nobody's been like, you know, you cheated to do that. You know what I mean at all? Because I didn't, you know what I mean? It's like, it's just, it's, it's a puzzle where you don't really see what the picture is until it's over. You know what I mean, and that's that's why I really wanted. Like, and it's it's it, been lovely. Is that a couple of my actors who have now seen the movie uh, a couple of times now? One of them just said to me at the last screening, said, "You know, at this time, I'm really seeing all the little things you put in there, and I, everything is now really making sense." You know what I mean? It's like it's like every time I watch, because every time I'm seeing the movie, it's getting more and more interesting, and it's like mission accomplished. Because that's what I want. I mean, I I don't. I want a movie that you want to go back and explore. You know what I mean, and that you yeah. can get things from. I mean, I'm, I'm you know that those because those are the movies that I love. You know, my favorite movie of all time is Blade Runner, the the, the theatrical cut of Blade Runner, and it's like I love movies that I can revisit and pick up new things or nuances every time I watch them because those are the movies that are special to me. Those are the movies that like endure to me. You know what I mean? And, and you know, I, I guess time will tell. You know what I mean? We'll see how people react to the movie. Um, but that's what I tried to do. <laughs> I, mean, I guess we'll see if I succeeded. But I mean, so far, so good. I mean, people seem to to be responding to it. And I, th- you know, in that, in that respect.
1: And, and I, that's how I felt when I watched it. I was like, I need to see this again. And luckily for me, I was able to watch this while I was at work. And mm. Ashes hasn't seen it yet. So I get to mm. watch it again and kind of oh, like, watch what, you know, I know what's going to happen, so I'm watching this through a different lens, but I also get to see her reaction to certain things. So it's like, oh, alright. And I think part of the uh, the cleverness of the way you told the story has to do with the fact that you added in so many of these classic tropes mm. where it kind of it almost disarms the viewer. Mm. So it's like, Oh, I've seen this before. You know, you're not going to show me anything new. Holy shit. What just happened? Yeah. It taking it, you know, if you were to just walk by and like, you see one scene and it's like, Oh, well that's no big deal. But like, I thought the way the actors pulled off their characters was very well done. And some of the comedic stuff as well, like, you know, <laughs> that's just what an alien would say.
0: Well, you know what? I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you know what's really funny. I really like the new trailer for the film cuz the first trailer, which is great. There's a, you know, early the early teaser trailer for the f- film was really great. Um, uh Broken Road had um I, I'm sorry. Um my brain's not working right now. Um, yeah, the, the original trailer, Open Road, sorry. Open Road had done the original trailer, and it was so great. But the thing is, it kind of made it look more like an action, thriller, horror kind of sci-fi. And, you know, it was always my little concern. Like, it's like, oh, well, it's, it's not, you know, it's not that action You know what I mean? It's more of a, you know, um, thoughtful sci-fi, right? And, you know, my biggest fear is that people will... You know, be dismissive of it and just think, oh, you know, I know I I can figure out what this movie is. It's just that we don't want to show you the stuff in the trailer and ruin the movie for you. You know what I mean? Because so it's it's, you know, on the surface, you're right. If you just saw a certain scene, you might just think, oh, I've got this movie figured out. And I promise you. It's not what you think it is. You know what I mean? It, it, it's, it's a lot. It's got a lot more going on than, than you might think it is from the trailer. You know, I, I think the new trailer is great because it, it really does show some of that humor. And, and, and that's the thing is I, I really, you know, made a conservative effort to try to ask all the questions that I think the audience would be asking and all the concerns. You know, that's actually the, the scene you're talking about is actually my favorite scene in the movie. Because it's really, you know, all the characters together and, you know, trying to figure this whole thing out. And they really are asking a lot of the questions and reacting the way that I hope people might react in this situation. You know what I mean? And and it's sort of this underlying thing of like, yeah, how do you know? Do you know what I mean? Is this Invasion of the Body Snatchers? Is it? Do you know what I mean? We don't know. Characters don't know. Yeah. You know, so, yeah.
1: There's even like... Like the way you hint at certain things, and the way the actors, you know, uh, portray it on the screen, mm-hmm. it, it really leaves you. Because I was, I was kind of like, what, what is this direction? Because it never leads you into one path mm-hmm. specifically. Like, yeah, you know, at some points I had, uh, I had some thoughts of like uh, James Gunn's Slither. Mm -hmm. You know, I had some, you know, obviously anytime there's, you know, an egg of any type of, of any sort, the first Mm -hmm. thing that goes to your mind is alien. Of course. So there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, you know, I don't know if they're intentional or,
0: you know, just because there's so much. Totally. Totally. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) totally intentional. (laughs) I mean, even the thing with like the alien, like I, I, I very, I am great, like effects people on, on this movie. I, 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 you know, I don't know if you know my background, but I did makeup effects for the first 14 years of my career. And I worked on over 40 films as a practical makeup effects artist. And, um, you know, so I really do understand, like to me, the best kind of effects in a film are you know, um, practical effects augmented digitally, right? Because you get the reality on set and so forth. But when it came to the design, so the, the people I had working on this was um, Jerry Constantine who's, you know, he's worked on stuff like Benjamin Buttons and Watchmen and just, I mean, you name it, he's so talented and he, he, he was like a sort of a protege of Tom Savini, if you know, like, you know, Tom Savini did like, you know, Creep Show and Dawn of the Dead and Friday know, 13 13th. I'm, I'm very familiar with Tom All right, Savini. great. Okay, great, great. So, uh, yeah, he's a protege of Tom Zavini, and then I had David Miller, who, you know, he created, you know, Freddy Krueger, the original look of Freddy Krueger, worked on a bunch of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, he also did Night of the Creeps with Tom Atkins, and uh, just two great guys that really understood, you know, what I was trying to do, especially in the design aspect, which was... I wanted something that was non-anthropomorphized. You know what I mean? Like, didn't have a a mouth, didn't have eyes, didn't have anything recognizable. So, it's really like, it's a thing. You know what I mean? It's a thing. And it's like, you can bring your own feelings to it. You know what I mean? Like, if you find it disgusting and gross, then it's disgusting and gross. If you find it... You know what I mean? Like, it's. I wasn't trying to... I was trying to let the audience decide how they felt about it. Oh. And that was the whole. Th- yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 please, please. What were you going to say?
1: I'll be honest. I got kind of, uh, especially towards the, the end of the film, the way the life cycle was ramping up. I got yeah. kind of like a Mothra vibe. Like, <laughs> that's funny. That's what <laughs> that's... I was, you know, especially with like the, the way, like the, the, the things were unfurling from it. And it was mm-hmm. almost like some sort of, uh, you know, hupa emerging from chrysalis type Hmm. life stage
0: that's yeah well i mean that's the thing is i I wanted it to be very different and every stage of it because it's like sort of four main stages of it Mm -hmm. um to be very different and unusual and use different color palettes in in weird you know unusual shapes and, and and it's sort of like you know kind of uh asymmetrical and using you know like just colors that you don't really associate. Like we looked at a lot of like undersea animals and a lot of like butterflies and, 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 and stuff just to make it unusual. You know, my hope was, and so I told, you know, Jerry and David is that I want, I, I my, my greatest, you know, th- thrill would be if you can recognize a frame of my movie because of the creature. Do you know what I mean? That it's so iconic to the movie that it's not like, oh, what movie is that? Like, what werewolf movie is that? Or what Bigfoot movie is that? You know what I mean? It's like, it's so iconic that you instantly know, oh, yeah, that's the thing from, that's that weird freaky thing from uh Encounter. You know what I mean? that And I always joke with people, that movie with that weird, you know, tether, you know, that weird tentacle thing sticking out of the back of the guy's neck. Do you know what I mean? Because I, I know it's weird. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I know I'm I'm really like taking some chances. You know, um I'm a big David Cronenberg fan, so I like that kind of uncomfortable body horror, and I'm a big Clive Barker kind of guy too. So I know I'm kind of pushing it a little bit with like what audiences might feel comfortable with that it might come across as a bit like it oh, was a little too much for me. But that was done purposefully. You know, it's like you know that it, it it was it was a necessity for the storytelling.
1: Yeah, and I I liked the fact that um, like it wasn't over the top gory. Like it wasn't. Yeah. So, again, thinking of Clive Barker, like Hellraiser two with the Leviathan with the the doctor <laughs> that had the yeah. things stuck on top of his head, and like that's yeah. what was controlling him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that was actually one of my questions. Was going to be you know with the stages of the creature design. How close mm-hmm. was that to your vision? Like, were you like, this is what it has to look like? Or were you like, you guys know what you're doing. Here's a rough draft. Show me what you got.
0: Um, I mean, it was, I worked definitely could be good look because you can't get the makeup effects artist out of me. You know what I mean? Like I even jumped in there and puppeteered a couple of scenes because, you know, I just love, I love puppeteering. Um, you know, Jerry. Jerry and I worked very closely with it. I mean, like, I let him, you know, do his thing in regards to, like, you know, give him, like, but I had a pretty clear vision of of what I wanted and what I didn't want, and then let him, like, interpret that. You know what I mean? Because you're stupid to, I'm not an artist. You know what I mean? Like, I can't draw to save my life. So I would try to, you know, give the best representations or give him as much reference material so it was, you know, made as clear as possible. But also let him surprise me as well. So I I like the fact that it's, you know, it really is a, a definitely a combination of, David's vision, Jerry's vision, and my vision—you know—which I love—I'm—I'm I'm very collaborative. I'm a—I'm a very, very collaborative filmmaker. You know, I'm very decisive in what I want. You know, I'm not—I'm not like wishy-washy by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, I got to make the movie I wanted to make, and I—I I feel like I didn't compromise anything with it. But I'm also smart enough to know that you're—it's a collaborative art form, and you are working with a lot of creative people. And if you don't take advantage of how creative these people are you're you're insane exactly you're absolutely insane
1: you know because like you were you know it's like i tell people when it comes to either writing or, or like you know some people that i've talked to about you know podcasting or what it doesn't matter what you're doing like there's a million people who do what you do but nobody has your voice and yes the way and this was in this was advice given to me on like the third podcast I ever did. I was on with a guy who is like he's just absolutely fantastic with what he does. He he had like 3 400 episodes at the time. And the other guy that was on the show with with us was freaking uh I don't know if you're familiar with Steven Scarlatta. No. Yodorowsky's Dune. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Did what he did he direct that? He uh produced it and oh. he's, he's in it um he's done
0: a- I'm a big Santa I'm a big Santa Sangre fan so I'm I'm a big Jodorowsky fan like I you know and that that documentary was phenomenal yeah and that documentary
1: and so like this is like the second or third show that I've ever done and this guy is a guest mm-hmm. so it's like I am so far out of my league and my buddy um uh, from the Talk Without Rhythm podcast Uh, El Goro is gave me that advice, and it's true. But it also works inversely, where you know, like you're talking about being collaborative. You don't have the same voice as someone else. You don't have the same vision as someone else. So you're like, okay, this is what I want. But they could come in and look at it in a way that you never would have thought of. You know, like you were saying, you'd be dumb to ignore someone with this much, you know, uh, talent and experience so the fact that you were able to you know you know push your ego aside for lack of a better term Not that it's like you were.
0: I don't have. I'm I'm not ego driven. I've never been ego driven as as a as a filmmaker. It's not. It's about the creative process to me. So it's not. It's. I mean, that's the thing. Is you know, one of the things I made it very clear. Like I, I wound up sitting down with everybody on my crew, sitting down and just interviewing them, and and it was really just about making sure that they weren't coming into it with egos because I I don't have one. You know what I mean? So I didn't want people. I wanted everybody just to be in in a a creative environment. And I'll tell you from the top down, we didn't have a bad egg on the entire production. I mean, it was like a love fest. I mean, I'm really very fortunate. I had two phenomenal producers, my, my, my main producer, Amy Bailey, who this was her first feature as a producer and she just knocked it out of the park. And and then our executive producer, Rob Hollicks, who used to be with marketing for like, you know, for, um, Paramount and Sony and stuff like that. I mean, he, you know, he, he, as an executive producer was just incredible and and they understood my desire just to have like a set like that that really functioned properly you know like i i I wrote this book called on the set which is used in film schools it's like everything you need to know about working on a film set right and the fourth edition just came out recently and i would be the biggest hypocrite on the planet if my film my set was like a nightmare you know, I came in the set every day and, and with a smile on my face and really happy. It's funny. One of my actors, Glenn, who plays Brent, he said to me, it was like three days left in filming. And he said to me, we were like just hanging out afterwards. And he was like, hey, when are you going to have your big freak out? Every movie I've worked on, like the director like freaks out at some point. And I'm like, well, wow, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to have one. <laughs> it's just like there's no if you've done your homework if you if you're if you've got a great crew and you've got a great work environment there's no reason to have freakouts. Exactly. You know I mean because you're in a safe space you know.
1: Yeah, and I, I I was gonna say I I liked Glenn. I thought he was really good in this. I mean no, I think everybody was really good. So
0: yeah, I was real I was really lucky to have a cast like that on my first film. I mean, I'll tell you, you know. God, let me just gush about them. Just give me a few seconds to gush about them. I mean, like, first of all, like, you know, Luke, he's the real deal. I mean, here's a guy who's just, like, just an amazing, an amazing actor. I, I was so fortunate to have him in my film, and... It's you know, a really great, you know, and he was like, you know, a couple of the actors I, I knew and I wrote roles for like Chris, Chris Showerman, um, you know, I, I wrote the role for him, Vincent Ward, you know, from The Walking Dead, I wrote the role for him, um, and, you know, in. And I had like sort of people in mind, but I, you know, I didn't know Luke. I, I actually, um, one of my really good buddies is Noel Clark, who, if you're a Doctor Who fan, you know, he was Mickey from, uh, you know, the, you know, Chris Eccleson and David Tennant's. uh, he was Rose's, you know, Rose's on again, off again boyfriend. Um, Noel's like one of my best friends. And, uh, you know, Noel had worked with, um, Luke on a film they did called The Anomaly. And, uh, he was the one who recommended, you know, Luke for, for my film. And, um, you know, you know, you never know I mean, He's a Hemsworth. You know what I mean? It's like, Holy crap. You know, like, you know, this is, and he was just amazing. He, he participated in everything and, in and, and came and we, you know, we rehearsed cause we were, we got a lot of rehearsal time, which was awesome. Um, and was just so wanted to be there. And, and wanted to do the best job he could and, and really cared about, you know, the script and really cared about his character and really cared about everybody else as well. And, you know, same thing just across the board. I mean, we're all still good friends. I mean, we have this text stream. <laughs> we have this text stream that's been going on for over a year now. And, like, you know, we shot the movie, you know, quite a while I mean, not quite a while ago, but, you know, like, you know, year and a half, you know, uh, finished it up. Um And we're all still close friends. We all still support each other and care about each other and, you know, wish each other happy birthdays or go to each other's projects or, you know, watch each other's shows or, you know, see each other's plays. And and that's been going on nonstop since the movie has ended, you know, has ended. And it's like, that says something. I mean, look, I've worked on over 50 films at this point. I've been on plenty of productions where it's like movies over bye, see and never see you again. And, and we're still all close friends. And, and, and that's, I think that says something, you know, that, I
1: think is like really phenomenal. That's, that's really good to hear. Cause that was, again, you know, you keep getting to my questions right before I ask them. Oh, no, sorry. No, 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 it's fine. <laughs> Um, the shows were on like the same wavelength. Um, what I was going to ask is, you know, who was like, you know, how'd you, uh, how'd you get these different actors? Like, who'd you grab first and who, who was next? And, you know, how did that, how did it all (laughs) fall in place?
0: Well, I, I had, I'm really lucky to have such an amazing casting director, Chadwick Strzok, who's also a, a co-producer on the film. Chadwick and I had, I, I was an executive for a while. I was vice president of production over at Bold Films. Uh, I was there for like Bobby and Starship Troopers Marauder and a bunch of other films. You know, they went on to do Drive and Whiplash and Nightcrawler. Um, and uh, Chadwick was like sort of our in-house like uh, casting director. And he and I were like just became brothers. You know what I mean? So like when I got, you know, offered, you know, encounter, you know, I I sent him an email. I'm like, look, I don't know if we can afford you Chadwick, but I would love it if you would, you know, be our, our our casting director. And he was like, without even me telling him, you know, what kind of budget we had, he was like, it's done. Yes. The answer is yes. I'm not concerned. He was like, I want to, I want to work with you on this. And wow. Just like, the resources he has, and it was really just on building, you know what I mean? Like, I already had, like, a couple of actors attached because i had written the roles for them, and they were good friends of mine. You know what I mean? There were people who I wanted just to work with. There's just actors who I've just loved for years that, you know, I felt, you know, uh, you know and I literally wrote the roles for them. So it was really just building off of that and then once luke came on board i mean that was me and then when anna hutchinson came on board you know i mean like you know wow i was a fan of hers from you know um cabin in the woods and she really lobbied to get into the movie like she her schedule was so like because she just works constantly but she loved the script so much that you know, with her manager, we really just worked out how we could get, cause we only had her for, I think three days. And, um, so we reworked the schedule and I think she was finishing up a series, like maybe Spartacus. Like, I, I don't remember what she was on. She was finishing up a series. She had like a hole in her schedule before she had to go back to Australia and we made it work. It was a Herculean effort, but we made it work. And then that was just, just, Wonderful, you know, just having somebody like Anna in it. And then, you know, obviously the big joke is she's now worked, you know, she was Chris Hemsworth's girlfriend and now Luke's Hemsworth's wife. So, you know, she's got, yeah, Liam's next. So she can get her punch card, her uh, Hemsworth brother's punch card. So, uh, but um, yeah, everybody. And then, you know, then Tom Atkins. I mean, come on.
1: I mean, you know what I mean? How do you make, if Tom Atkins says, I want to do something, it's like, you'll be in it. I'll figure out a spot for you.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, that was the thing. It's like, Tom was like, you know, who is going to play this role? Who's going to play this role? And and he was, you know, obviously one of my top choices because, you know, he. but I didn't think I would be able to get somebody like Tom Atkins. And that just worked out perfectly. And he is just one of the most wonderful human beings on the planet. He really is. Actually, we were just talking today. We were just joking about some stuff today. Um I love that man. I really do. And, you know, he, he's just such a delightful human being and really enjoy it. He really loves the movie a lot and he's been so supportive of it. And, um, I mean, I, I feel so fortunate to call him a friend. He really is a friend and he's somebody I really deeply care about and, you know, somebody who I'm definitely going to work with again. (laughs) So, you know. I just was very lucky to have a cast like this, to have a cast like this on your first film is, is so fortunate because you don't have to worry about that. You know, they're going to bring it, you know, yeah, you know, they're going to, bring. It.
1: that's going to take a lot of stress off of you. Like that's going to be part of the reason why you're like, Oh, I, I can come into work with a smile on my face every day. Cause I'm not dealing with any divas. I'm not dealing with yeah. anybody, you know, cause I'm sure if somebody started acting out of line, Tom would be like, Hey guys, Cut the show, no, okay.
0: <laughs> there wasn't that at all. I mean, that was, see, that's the most amazing thing is that it was when I say it was a love fest. It was a love fest. I mean, like I, I you know, it's so funny. I just put a scrapbook together, like through Shutterfly. I put the scrapbook, and it's literally filled with pictures of all of us having fun, you know, on set and the things we would do off of set, and then like the parties we would have after the movie wrapped. Like we would get to get, we'd get get together. We would just get together and do stuff and go. Like you know, uh, we did uh, race go kart racing one time we had like a, a curry party at the executive producer's house we had like a a, a a party at my place that was a sort of like a reunion party and in tom flew out from pittsburgh for that party i mean it, it was just just wonderful i mean and that's the one thing it's like it was a wonderful experience my first time directing and and just everything about it it was i couldn't have asked for a better experience from top to bottom if this was the only chance I ever got, it was it was all worth it, and it was it it, it doesn't get much better, you know. It's, it's you know,
1: I'll be honest with you. Based on what I saw, um, I think you're going to get
0: many more chances cause... I hope so. It's 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 um, I'm I'm up to direct a movie right now that's looking pretty darn close. I'm not going to say what it is because, you know, I I don't want to jinx it, but, um, it looks like I might be directing a film in, in the new year. It's so close, but you know, when you're, when you've been in the business for as long as I have, you're very, you know, just, you know, you're a little reserved when it comes to stuff like this, because, you know, the industry is, it's hard. You know what I mean? I'm not going to say that, you know, this is my 30th year in the film business, you know, and, and it's, I, I love it, but it's, and it's really about the journey. It's not about, you know, you, you have good years, you have bad years, but it, it is that journey. You know, you have to learn how to enjoy it because you're going to get kicked in the nuts a lot. You know what I mean? And you got to learn that you can't get jaded. You can't get jaded about it. You can't take it personally. It's It's just the way it is. And just learning how to navigate that. You know what I mean? And accepting this is what it is. So you either like accept it or or, or you're going to be miserable. And, you know, even like today, today I had a pretty, it was a pretty shitty day, actually. (laughs) Like a lot of like crappy stuff happened this morning, but you know, it doesn't, you just pick yourself up and dust yourself off. And I mean, I hope you're not sensing any of that in our conversation that it's like, you know, you just turn it around. And by the end of the day, I'm having a great day because I'm on a cool podcast talking about my movie and talking about things that I love.
1: Well, I, I appreciate you, uh, you know, your kind words and no, I didn't, I didn't get that vibe from you at all you know huh. you know I, I, I'm sorry you had a, a shitty day <laughs> but you know I'm going to be able to provide some sort of you know levity and joviality to it oh you are I'm
0: having a good time
1: well that's awesome um, more questions <laughs> uh, yeah, we, have, we have a couple more um, but I was going to say when you're ready to you know any other projects that you're regi- ready to pitch or you want to do more promotion on this one
0: let me know um you were more than actually can i i can i can announce something because i just this this i got um i just signed uh uh, contracts to do two new graphic novels, which I'm very excited about for Markoja um, uh, Press uh, in the UK. Um, I'm doing a sequel to my graphic novel series Discord, um, which I did Discord, then I did a prequel, ser- prequel series called Tales of Discord, and now I'm doing Discord 2, uh, and um, very excited about that. And then I have one that I'm going to be announcing, I'm not going to give it away yet, I'm, I'm going to be announcing in an a couple of weeks uh the second um graphic novel that i'm going to be doing so i'm very excited about that
1: awesome yeah we are all about promoting folks so as as much as we can do to help you out you know we don't have the reach of say like a kevin smith podcast because we're not famous yet but (laughs) you know we do whatever we can to help help promote like
0: i appreciate that
1: oh of course and you know if you want to come on you want to you know we were lucky enough last year, uh, we had the cast of Megalodon, the, the sci-fi movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I reached out to one of the actors, Dominic Pace, and he was like, hey, I've managed to wrangle five other actors. Like, Is it okay if we all come on the podcast with you? It's like, yes. yeah, Awesome. We ended up winning an award for that, uh, for that episode. We won Best Interview at a uh, horror convention earlier this year.
0: Oh, fantastic. So it's pretty. Let's beat it. Let's beat it with this one. Yeah, I mean, now you now you've thrown down the gauntlet. I know. There's some
1: there's some stiff competition. We we've had some. See, that was one like we won and we weren't trying because we didn't know there was an award that was coming out. And it was literally our <laughs> first you know, interview. It's... Like yeah, we're that's not, a lot of pressure. We're not typically an interview show, <laughs> uh, but apparently we're pretty good at it because people like our questions and want to keep doing this with us so i'm fine with that uh, so yeah i've got because i know you said you had a, a bit of a time constraint we had about 20 minutes or so
0: no we're good we're we're good we, we, yeah, we're gonna go i'm going out to dinner with my kids tonight so uh but i told them that you know i'll be busy for a little bit so they're all cool
1: yeah so i mean we've like i said i've got a couple more questions because you've uh, you were able to Kind of anticipate my questions as a as a good writer. You subverted my expectations on the uh, on the interview process. <laughs> so, what was uh, the pitch process for this? Like, how did you when you were when you were um, getting your actors and when you were you know working on on getting this made? How did you present it?
0: Well, this is actually a little bit of a unique. Uh, situation. I've been helping, so I've known Amy Bailey, our producer, for for years. I've been actually, um, we we shot the movie in Augusta, Georgia, right? And I've been helping them grow their film community for a number of years. And this was sort of a fruition of that. I mean, I didn't know this is what it was leading to, but it did lead to this, where uh, Amy sort of called me out of the blue sort of, and um, said, hey, look, we want to prove that Augusta, because Georgia is a, is a really big, you know, community for filmmaking, obviously with Marvel, you know, like in Atlanta, Atlanta is just sort of bursting at the seams. And so is Savannah. They, those are the real big hubs. And Augusta wanted to prove that they could compete, that they could compete, that this was, Augusta was an area where, you know, productions can come to. You know what I mean? Because because there's not a lot of space in Atlanta and in Savannah. So, she, you know, Amy had called me up and said, "Look, you know, I wanna I wanna make a movie with you. You know, we'll we'll you know keep it you know in a reasonable budget. Uh, I'm gonna bring the financing to it because um, she's connected to a lot of you know uh, you know people down in Georgia that can finance the film." And um, she said, "Just I want you to choose." a movie that you want to make that can be made, you know, within this budget, budget range. And I was like, all right, what am I going to do? What, you know, what, and I have my big book of ideas. Right. And, you know, encounter was something that had, you know, was sort of in that book for a while. And, and I was just sort of flipping through the book and it's and you know, I pulled it out and I was like, you know what, there's that, and it was, all there was, was a treatment. You know, I just had a treatment for it and I sort of reread it and I was like, this, this can work. This could totally work. So I, I, I sent it, and it was something I still felt passionate about. And because of those themes I was talking about earlier that I wanted to explore, it fit perfectly into that. You know what I mean? Like this this would allow me to explore those themes of loss and grief and fear of the unknown and, and so forth. So I presented it to, to Amy, and she said, I love it. She goes, I love it. She goes, write the script you know, write the script. And I did, I jumped into, into writing it and, you know, it, it, encounter wound up being the first quote unquote Hollywood film to be done entirely in gut and Augusta, Georgia with, you know, primarily in Augusta crew. Like I would say 90 to 95% of the crew was based out of, you know, Augusta or Georgia, you know, or, or that area. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I, I hope we did prove that we could make a quality film. You know that that can compete with can can compete with you know the other hubs in Georgia. And so far, so good. I mean, I guess (laughs) Gust has really been, like, you know, the hotbed recently. A lot of projects, you know, have been coming in now because, you know, we got a lot of publicity when we were doing this film, and, and people are realizing that they really do have their shit together down there. There's some great people. I mean, like, it's become my second home. I mean, really, and it's funny, you know, it's like... You know, it, it just—I mean—there are people I really care about there, and and there are really some talented filmmakers and, and talented crew, and they just keep on building and building their crew base with every production they do. And I'm excited to come back there and and you know do my my next film, you know, in in, in Augusta.
1: Another question I have, it kind of, you know, goes along with that. Um, as you're writing, you know, and you're you're saying, you know, this this could be. You know, you're one shot Mm -hmm. and you have your big book of ideas. Did you maybe borrow from some other things that you had uh, had written and you were like, you know what? I need to punch up this scene a little bit. What if I took this element from this other type of story I have? And what if I took, you know, maybe that character or this scene? Was there any of that or was this, you know, 100 percent just the encounter idea that you had?
0: It, that's a really great question. It really is, and you know what? I have done that with some of my <laughs> with some of my scripts combined. I have combined elements of other scripts like that were just like rough ideas. But no, actually, encounter was entirely its own thing because I, I've started to kind of write organically recently, and which which means. 'Cause I've written a lot of screenplays. You know, that whole idea of ten thousand hours, you know, becoming, you know, a a pro at something. I mean, there is something to be said for that. And um it, it it to me it it was its own it was its own thing. And and once once it really takes on a life of itself and the characters start becoming alive to me and I see the movie in my head then it is just that thing in encounter was pretty pure. When it comes to that And and I, I, I you know saw the movie very Clearly in my head from start to finish And I, and I even, you know, I wound up Storyboarding the entire movie I, I did over 1400 storyboards um, And uh, That I did with this program called Frameforge 3D and now, now I've become a professional storyboard Artist because of this, I've actually done A number of features uh, And uh, short films and a bunch of Projects um, Since Encounter uh, and I'm actually now endorsed by frame forge 3d because they're just blown away with the, the the storyboards i do but what was great about that is that i was able to show the, the i brought all the actors over um to you know to my screening theater and i showed them the entire movie in 3d storyboards before we shot a single frame before we went to <laughs> before we went to augusta that's so they actually saw nice. the entire movie and they're like this is a gift it's like they saw the entire movie and, and on the Blu-ray, which is just packed with special features. I do a storyboard to film comparison on, on three of the scenes, but you can pretty much, I mean, it, it is like 80%, almost exactly what I storyboarded.
1: That's phenomenal.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it really is.
1: So now, you know, as a writer, you know, um, you know, I, I, I write as well, you know, obviously not mm-hmm. on the same level as what you do. Um, do you find, and this is just purely my curiosity. Uh, I find that when I'm engrossed in a novel, like if I'm reading something after a while, I don't see the, the words I'm experiencing the story in my head. Do you find mm-hmm. that when you get into the zone writing that you kind of experience the same thing?
0: Yeah, actually, I mean, it's funny. I, I I I talk process with a lot of writers sometimes. You know what I mean? It's very interesting to me that I there are writers that don't see the movie in their head, which to me is I don't understand that. Like, I, I don't sit down and write the movie until um, I see the movie in my head, and I'm a very fast writer. My my first drafts I can get out in like week and a half two weeks just because it's to me at that point it's transpose you know it's just transcribing i'm just watching the movie in my head i mean yeah there's discovery and and i do what's called a vomit draft where i just like get the movie out on paper because writing's rewriting anyways right you know but that vomit draft i can get out really quickly because it's like that's I already see the movie. You know, I mean, it's, it's just like, it's, it's almost like an annoyance. All right. I got to put this on page. You know, I got to put this down in, in words. Um, I mean, that's how, that's how I write. That's how I've always written. You know, I, I, I don't do treatments. I really don't. I mean, only when I'm developing films with studios or, you know, with production companies, do I do treatments? Cause I don't like them. I, I think the more you write out a story, It 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 harms like to me. I like to let it like gestate, and I always say this like it gestates in my stomach or my chest or whatever, and it has to get out. Like I need to get it out. That's why I write it so quickly. Is that I need it out of my body, and and I know that's when I'm ready to write a script. You know, because it's like I got to get this on paper. I got to get this on paper, and 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 that's you know that's sort of my process. So I've I've done all the work. You know, just lying in bed. Watching the movie, you know, in my head. So, uh, and I'll, I'll sometimes beat outline. I've kind of stopped even beat outlining at times. Where I'll just like just sit down and like in an hour and a half, I'll just beat outline the entire film. You know what I mean? Like, and, and that's my sort of my roadmap. But that's all it is. It's just like a roadmap that I just keep next to my desk as I'm writing in case I, I need to, you know, uh, reference it. But the fact of the matter is, once the characters come alive, you got to let them dictate the story. So you know it might go off in different directions than you're not expecting because if you don't let it do that, then you're not being truthful. The minute you're forcing a character to do something that they wouldn't do, you're not really writing. You know what I mean? Like you're 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 you're, you're contriving. You know what I mean? And and to me, you got to let it work out itself organically yeah. and, and and get to where it needs to be.
1: I'm right with you. Like I've had you know uh, like I have a couple of things that are. are... Going to be in anthologies uh, later this year, and I've had awesome. a couple of times where it's like
0: short stories. Like, are you talking film anthologies or short stories? Uh, short stories. Great. I'm a I'm a short story writer also. Like, I I, I I've written a number of short stories. I've actually been nominated twice for Bram Stoker Awards, uh which is you know horror for uh oh, yeah. short stories. Yeah, which is I, I love writing short stories. Yeah. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Oh
1: no no no. It's a um, you know I'm in, I'm in the same the same boat where it's like i love writing short stories like i just i have hopefully it'll be coming out soon but i'm going to add a couple of things to it just to kind of pad it a little bit get it up around 200 pages but it's called how much do you tip an exorcist (laughs) (laughs) love
0: the title i love it
1: um and i have a you know a collection of short stories called uh monsters in the closet where you know, mm-hmm. it's just like some flash fiction and a couple of other little short stories that I wrote just cause someone's like, Oh, have you ever done this? It's like, no. And then I just, I couldn't stop writing them, but I've had stories where it's like, Holy shit. I never thought this was going to happen. Like I can't believe yeah. this character's going, it's like, okay, I have this mapped out in my head. I've already written two drafts. Yeah, Here we go. And you're writing it and you're like, well, why doesn't Joe just go to you know, instead of taking a left, why doesn't he take a right and see where that yeah. road goes? Because I don't know where that road goes. I know where yeah. the left road goes because I've written it before. But what happens if he turns right up here?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? Like, I love writing short story because it's very freeing. You know what I mean? Like, it's very freeing in that sense of where you can let that happen. You can explore that. And it's that's really organic writing, which I love. And I love how prose, because I've written novels also, so I, I love how um, you can really just, you know, I mean, look, I've worn a lot of hats over the years you know, I've been a producer. I've just worked in, you know, I've worked in all these different mediums, worked in video games, comic books, TV, film, DVD extras. I mean, I mean, you name it, but I always consider myself a writer first. Cause that's, I am most happiest when I am sitting behind my keyboard writing a story. And, and it doesn't matter what medium it is. It doesn't matter if it's film TV, you know, I mean, it it doesn't matter. It, it, it's just telling stories. That's what I love. And so I I find directing is an extension of that. It was never like, and I don't mean this to like, and to piss anybody off like, like, cause I know a lot of people give their left arm to, you know, direct it, it, but directing wasn't, wasn't all, wasn't the end goal. What directing was for me was the ability for me to tell my stories in the way I want to tell them. But I've written, I, I think like, and character was like my thirty-fifth screenplay, I think, and, and there's only a handful of them that I really like am aching to direct. You know, I always joke that, yeah, you know, I'll let the professionals handle the other ones. Because there's some of them that are so big that it's like, well, maybe down the line. But the ones that I want to direct that I've written are the ones that are like the smaller films that are, are, are sort of the more contained films that are more about character. And, and less about, you know, spectacle or, or just, you know, you know, plot. Not that, I mean, like, I, I don't, I can write mainstream stuff, you know, very well. And I enjoy it. But I, I like the stuff that's more challenging, you know. And, and those are the and those are the stuff I want to direct. Is the stuff that's really a little left of center. Does that make sense?
1: It does. And you get to see, I think, a lot of that exhibited in, in uh, an encounter because yeah, where you could have, you know, Oh, alien crashes, you know, object crashes, you know, into a field, you know, like this could be huge. Like, you know, you could have something that's a huge, like practical effects again, coming back to yeah. slither, like yeah. that had yeah. some ridiculous, you know, yeah. uh, between CGI and like the different makeup effects that they used on Michael Rooker and like all the yeah. slugs and everything running around. Like, That could be huge, but where your story is more focused on the characters reacting to this revelation, it's not so much the spectacle that, oh my God, this thing is here. It's like, okay, this is here. What are we going to do?
0: Yes, good. I'm glad you got that. I mean, thank you for saying that, too. Because that's why I always have to describe it. It's like, it's more about these broken characters sort of dealing with this. a, A fantastical element comes into their lives. How do they deal with this? And that, and that, and, it, and it's not. Even though, it, look, there are a lot of sci-fi elements, there's a lot of effects and stuff like that. But it's not. It's about the characters, how they're dealing with as, as opposed to that. You know, this thing is the 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 main thrust of it. And even at the end of the story, you know, I I want you to be able to decide how you feel about it. You know what I mean? I'm not saying because the movie has a definitive ending, but there's there's an ambiguity to it you know, and, and without like getting anywhere near any specifics, there's an ambiguity to it in regards to you decide how you want to feel about the ending. Cause it can mean a lot of things. I mean, and, and you know, we can have a sidebar that, you know, off <laughs> when we're not, you know, talking on a oh, podcast, yeah, yeah. but you know, uh, you, that ending can mean a lot of different things. I, you I know had, what I mean? I
1: had, you know, the, the, the writer in me, you know, Looking at the the different plot implications of that, yeah, it ran in a few different directions for me.
0: Yeah, do you know what's something fun we do on the Blu-ray? So um, we we you know we <laughs> we had some great interviews. Everybody like everybody like got interviewed on set. You know what I mean? All the actors and you know production people. We have a, a fun little documentary that is. Uh, speculations on an encounter sequel, like what, what you, what, what like the actors or what, you know, like some of the production people on the film, what they would either think the movie is going, like what a sequel would be or, you know, where it could go, you know? And, and the thing is, it's like, and, and something I say in the documentary too, is like, I promise you, whatever it is, it's not going to be what you expect. Because, I mean, it's not the way I do things. You know what I mean? It's not, it, if there was a sequel to it, and we've sort of talked, you know what I mean? We've, we've talked, it was not designed to have a sequel. But you can certainly have a sequel. But if I do a sequel, it's not going to be a typical sequel. Because that's boring. You know what I mean? That's, that's boring. Hey. I want to do something that would be like, wow. You know, I didn't think this would be the sequel story. You know, because there's a lot of different themes that could be explored now once the movie's over, and I know what those themes are, and I've set them up a little bit. Like I said, this wasn't designed for a sequel, but believe it or not, I did set up stuff in case there ever was. That does not pay. Not that it doesn't pay off. You know, it just it doesn't there's ways to pay it off in much grander and broader ways in a sequel than I do in the first film.
1: Yeah. I mean, if I'm, I, if I'm being honest, like, you know, the thought crossed my mind. Cause there, again, you know, there's different sci-fi aspects that bring me to different places. Um, all right. I think that's all the questions I have, but, um, yeah. where can people find you? You know, social media, where can they get the, the movie? I know it's on demand and Blu-ray, but where, you know, if someone wants to get it, where they get it, because I'm getting it, like, that's that's just how it is.
0: I'll tell you, I put a lot of love into that special edition Blu-ray. They they gave me, like, the keys to the kingdom and said, as long as you deliver fully, you know, done (laughs) documentaries, you know, we'll put them on the Blu-ray. I'm like, oh boy, I just need to hear that once, because I used to, I mean, I used to do that professionally, you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, I worked on the Buffy, some of the Buffy the Vampire Slayer Blu-ray uh, or DVD, you know, sets, and I did that stuff for video games. So it is like, when I say it is a special edition Blu-ray, it is a special edition Blu-ray. So I encourage the Blu-ray. Uh, and actually, I think it's only like twelve ninety-nine on Amazon right now to pre-order, which is great. Um um, but, yeah, so Encounter comes out October 1st across all digital platforms. That's what I've been told. So you can, you know, get it wherever, you know, you can get digital movies. And then um, on DVD and uh, Blu-ray, and that'll be, you know, online and, you know, in stores. You know, Walmart is – is is. Uh, um, going to be selling, you know, it couldn't be selling Encounter. I mean, that's why we're doing the Blu rays because they were like, yes, we want it. We want the DVD. We want the special edition Blu ray. Um, I believe it might even be in some red boxes. I, I think I've been told that, that it's going to be in some red boxes as well. So, um,. So yeah, that's the best way and also we're doing a soundtrack release as well. Uh Pankaj Kaneva, my incredible incredible composer has done just an amazing score for the movie and Note for Note Records is uh is releasing it. It's it's a really wonderful uh score um and so that's available online on amazon and at note for note records if you're in the la area uh we're going to be doing actually a signing at dark delicacies in burbank and the entire cast is coming um actually we get everybody and luke said uh, actually the only person we don't have is is tom uh atkins uh because unfortunately they're doing a a um a thing for him at the Egyptian theater. So he actually is going to be in LA, but they're doing a uh, celebration of Tom Atkins on the day we're doing the signing, so he can't make it, but he did generously sign postcards that are going to be put in the Blu-ray. So October 5th at Dark Delegacies at 3pm uh, and everybody's going to be, even Luke, like Luke said, hey look, as long as I'm not needed on Westworld, I, you can definitely count me in, because uh, you know, they're finishing up shooting season 3 right now of Westworld, and the schedule is so crazy. So he goes, but count me in. The only reason I will not be there is if, if, uh, I, you know, I'm needed on Westworld. So, um, so yeah, so those are the best, uh, best places to see encounter. And, and I guess me, I mean, like you can find me on Facebook. Um, I have a regular page just under Paul, Paul Salamoff. I have a fan page, uh, and then I'm on Instagram, on you know sell them off paul on instagram and i'm also on twitter as well so if you want to be my friends i'll be your friend <laughs> so uh so there you go that's so, that's the best way to find me
1: so as on a on a personal i just uh i just sent you a picture i just ordered the blu-ray i pre-ordered oh, awesome awesome but i i i would love to somehow get my hands on one of the the
0: signed copies is what would be a way of doing that? i'll see if we can figure it out we'll, we'll, we'll try to figure something out um uh yeah i'm, I'm sure we can figure something out but I thank you so much for, for that that thank you that really means a lot watch the commentary like i, I do a thing on like easter egg. there's a whole ton of easter eggs and i'm like i'm a big doctor who geek i mean here's one of the things i don't know we didn't cover but i own the 1996 tardis console the paul mcgann tardis console oh, wow. the actual prop um i'm a big and i do conventions with it and and so forth and uh, i mean that's what's sitting in my office i'm kind of looking at it right now um so there's like doctor who references in the movie there's kurt vonnegut references there's there's a lot of literary liter science sci-fi literature references in in uh in the movie because i'm a big old geek it's just for my own edification it's not me being clever it's just you know I just love that stuff. I like to infuse. I wanted to infuse the movie with the DNA of of just sci-fi and film and in literature. Um, and um so there's a documentary on the easter eggs but i also talk about that stuff in the audio commentary as well so uh there's definitely there's definitely reasons to get the the blu-ray i mean there really is i mean i I promise you it's not there's there's no fluff pieces there's there's a great um thing on the composer and on the music and there's another on the special effects Uh, i mean it was funny even my distributor was like hey you know i've I like, you know, watched your documentaries they, because these things are really great because they're very entertaining <laughs> because I thought they were, you know, because I've watched a lot of special features over the years, and I just thought it was just going to be perfunctory, and it's like these are really interesting and entertaining. So I got a thumbs up from my distributor. Well, that's fantastic. <laughs> so there you go. See, so there you go.
1: That's something I really like because, you know, like you were saying, so many of these are just like – oh, here's deleted scenes, here's a gag reel, here's yeah. this. And it's like, oh, it's loaded with hours of extras. And it's like, is it, though?
0: Like, yeah. is it yeah, something I know. that I want to watch? Yeah. Look, I'm obsessed with physical media. Like, I own over 1,800 DVDs and Blu-rays, okay? And I watch the special features. So trust me, it's like, I'm not going to let you down <laughs> with the special features I did. I mean, it's like, I don't want boring stuff. And, and they, they they don't overstay their welcome. You know they they range in different. Some of them are five minutes. Some of them are fourteen minutes. You know it's it's like you know digestible bites too. Digestible bites. You know and stuff that I hope is informative and in, in the even the commentary it's very warts and all. You know it's me being very honest about the making of the movie and in you know the you know the the challenges of, of being a first time director. I mean I, I look. I also I, I teach at the New York Film Academy um, and you know, I teach screenwriting, and I'm actually going to be teaching comic books and graphic novels starting, actually, this Friday. Um, so I really care. I mean, that's why I wrote On the Set. On the Set is really about, you know, it's got over, like, 90 people in the industry that you've heard of, like James Gunn. We were talking about James Gunn. I've known James for a long time. James is in the book. Uh, Greg Nicotero's in the book. Galen Hurd, I mean, Ed Neumeier, um Doug Jones, Lynn Shea, I mean, you name it. And then a bunch of people from Encounter in it as well, and um no clarks in it i mean it, it's it's just you know something that i wanted i wrote as a labor of love and 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 it's in its fourth edition and it, and really the fact that it's helpful to people really means a lot to me
1: yeah and it's whenever you're doing something that's a labor of love and you can really like put your heart and soul into it and then yeah. people accept it and it can grow and that's like that's really
0: rewarding it is and, and it is and it's always been I mean like you know yes we need to pay bills and I do need to make money right mm-hmm. but I don't do things for the money I do things for the creative I, I really am a creative I really care about movies I love movies I see everything in the theater I really do and, and I, I it's so exciting when I see a movie that surprises me you know or, or that takes me you know uh, you, or it just goes in a way where I wasn't expecting and that's what I'm trying to do with encounter i really am it it i really tried to make something special obviously you guys will decide it once it's out in the world you guys will decide if it's special but i tried and i really did and i really made the movie i wanted to make i didn't compromise anything and i hope you enjoy it i hope you give it a chance and i hope you see what i was trying to do with it and and i i hope it 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 entertains you and i hope it makes you think
1: and i think a lot of people are going to find that it does. I think a lot of people are going to find that, you know, they're going to go in thinking, okay, you know, if they listen to this and they, they go into it or they read the articles that I write, um, they'll go into it thinking, okay, you know, oh, the, he says it subverts expectations. I won't see it coming. Well, I'll, I'll show him. I'll, I'll yeah. you know, I'll, I'll see it. And then I, I still think it's going to surprise you in a lot of different ways.
0: And that's not, it's not meant as a challenge. It's just meant as, you know what I mean? Like, that's the thing. It's like, you know, I don't want to look at me. I'm going to be so clever. I really want it just to be, I hope that what makes it enjoyable for you. Well, look at this. Glenn Keo, my actor who plays Brent is calling me. (laughs) Wait a minute. Let's, let's hold on a second. I'm actually going to answer this. Glenn. I'm actually doing a podcast right now. Do you want to say hi to the audience? Oh, hold hold on. I gotta, I gotta put you, I gotta put you on speakerphone. Hold on one second. <laughs> all right, I am on a podcast right now, and you can actually say I was actually saying lovely things about you, so maybe your ears were burning. Oh, exactly, exactly.
1: That's the little camera I have in your, uh, in your, uh, your man cave.
0: Therefore, good G'day to everybody on the podcast.
1: Hey, how you doing?
0: <laughs> pretty good, pretty good. I hope you're all set for uh, encounter October first. <laughs> that a boy glenn <laughs> all right well listen we're just wrapping it up right now so i'm gonna say goodbye glenn do you want to say goodbye oh goodbye guys uh look forward to seeing you all at the screening october first uh, oh yeah we're doing a screening october 1st with and A Q&A with jeff goldsmith as well oh. so uh that's another way you can see the movie <laughs> thank you glenn i didn't bring that up, up. okay all right i'll call you back that's glenn too. Sorry. Right, MFG, but, like, I'm like, how funny is that? <laughs> that was interesting. That, that's definitely that almost seemed it bland. It wasn't. That's definitely making it into the show. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. Actually, that's funny. We are doing a screening at the the Q&A with uh, Jeff Goldsmith, which is another, you know, big uh, podcast. Um, We're doing uh, a a screening on October 1st uh, at the Los Angeles Film School. um, And uh, you can look that up and, you know, the more the merrier.
1: Yeah, like that would be really uh, we have listeners all across the country and pretty much everywhere. The only place we haven't had someone listen to the show is antarctica we have had listeners on every other continent
0: fantastic
1: i'm thinking we need to do some penguin themed episodes to kind of get the (laughs) antarctica audience uh
0: all right well listen i better go my kids have been very patient with me and i'm going to take them out to to dinner now just uh so my kids don't hate me all
1: right sounds good
0: all right hey i really enjoyed this i hope i hope it worked out good for you
1: i did too this is great thanks paul
0: awesome all right you take care Patrick.
1: Do you have a craving for creatures, a thirst for thrills, and a hunger for horror? Then you need to gorge yourself on the gore of Rockin' Shock. That's right, Worcester's annual horror convention, Rockin' Shock, comes for you from the DCU Center in Worcester, Massachusetts on October 11th, 12th, and 13th. Featuring the ladies of Evil Dead, Betsy Baker, Ellen Sandweiss, and Teresa Tilley. Ray Wise and Sherilyn Fenn of Twin Peaks. Jason Voorhees himself, Kane Hodder. John Dugan and Ed Neal of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And making his first appearance, the legendary Bruce Campbell. Hail to the king, baby. Go to rockinshock.com for the full list as new guests are added all the time. Rockin' Shock, be there, and be scared. When there is no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. And I am back. I really hope you enjoyed that interview. Uh, I had a lot of fun with it. I had a lot of fun uh, chatting with Paul. And uh, I hope you guys learned a lot. And I hope you're really excited for Encounter, because I am. Like I said, I I pre-ordered it. Um, it should come in the mail on uh from Amazon Tuesday. I I, I highly recommend it. This is uh one of those uh this will be my first ever recommendation on this show. So I'm gonna give it a high recommendation. So this is definitely a swim, not a sink. Do yourself a favor, check it out, pick up the Blu-ray. Like like Paul said, there's a million uh special features on it. Uh they're all gonna be very worthwhile. So I, I highly recommend it. Um next week. I will be interviewing writer-director Todd Sheets from the movie Clownado, which is one that I had uh, heard of a while ago and I'm really, really excited for. Um, It's got a lot of horror icons in it. I mean, Eileen Dietz, Linnea Quigley, and just many, many more. i will get into it more next week when we talk to them. But I'm super excited for this one. And uh, hopefully by then I'll stop saying we when it's just me here. Uh, Maybe I'm using the royal we. Must have been that crumpet I had for lunch. But other than that, I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you stick around to see what we, uh, what I come up with in the coming weeks and months and hopefully years, and I'm really excited. I'm really excited for uh, this venture. It's definitely new, and I hope this episode wasn't too, too bad for you. And so here, as promised, uh, is your, your shark fact. Uh, great white sharks, uh, unlike uh, many sharks, do not lay eggs. They give birth to live pups, and generally the largest of the uh, of the litter uh, will eat all the smaller ones. So while uh, the mother shark may have, you know, nine or 10 baby pups uh, in her womb, only the biggest couple will survive because uh, these things are apex predators from the beginning and they will devour their siblings if uh, they're not fast enough to get away. So uh, with that being said, just remember, I'm the shark, but as my listener, I consider you my chum. Have a great week.